Welcome to another episode of Connections Techsperience. I'm your host, Penny Conway, Senior Program Manager for Workplace Transformation. And today we're talking about the hot topic slash epidemic of vaping in K through 12 schools. Interestingly enough, vaping has gone from 1.5 million high school users in 2017, all the way up to 3.6 million users as of November 2018. Today we have Mike Henson from Ruckus, who is going to be talking about the solutions available for schools to start seeing where vaping might be occurring, where they don't have eyes today. Why don't you give us a little bit of your background, why you're here, and why you are an expert on the topic of vaping and some solutions around it. I don't know if I'm an expert on vaping because I've never (laughs) smoked, I don't vape, and so anyway, I just uh, watch a lot of news. Uh, But I'm a... uh, industry veteran of this uh, IT industry for over 33 years. Um, I've worked at uh, various companies through throughout IT from local area networks to, um, you know, to where we are today. And one of the areas that Ruckus has really latched onto are the two areas um, around vaping, number one, because it's, a, it, you know, it's a very un- new and unknown technology that is being used to, you know, help people to get off cigarettes, number one. But number two, it also is a... Uh, uh, technology that is basically not detectable by normal smoke detectors um, where uh, people have, you know, airplanes and bathrooms and things like that where you're not supposed to smoke can't be detected. So um, a lot of kids are doing it. A lot of adults are doing it. But the one thing that um, surprises everybody is that nobody really knows why these 800 illnesses are infecting people. Um, so vaping has a lot of unknowns that are just now starting to bubble up. And the problem is, is the acceptance of vaping has taken, I mean, it it just, it's like wildfire. People are moving from cigarettes or basically a lot of the kids are just starting to vape and never smoked before. You know, with the epidemic going on, I mean, people are dying, uh, people are getting sick, nobody knows why. And one of the things that we're seeing is that we're doing from a a legislation perspective is they're banning or minimizing the flavored oils. But they don't even know that that's really the problem. So let's set the primer a little bit, because I think there's a lot of different terms out there in the industry around vaping. We have the e-cigarette, we have vaping, we hear Juul, we hear this. So what's kind of the difference between an e-cigarette and vaping? Or is there a difference? Well, it's kind of like the evolution of technology. You know, we started out with cigarettes that were rolled in wrappers and then smoked and then they put a filter on it and then they added you know menthol to it to give it a different flavor you know e-cigarettes came out you know with the sole purpose of trying to give people the ability to smoke without being overly intrusive in terms of the smoke itself and then from there it still used tobacco and you know the traditional uh, non-water-based vaping uh, technologies or aerosol technologies so Vaping came through a number of different technologies, and um, it, it originated in a different industry. But it quickly became uh, apparent that it was an easier technology to build. Um, the batteries and things that keep it uh, or make it work evolved very, very quickly, and so therefore, vaping is pretty much the predominant technology. You know, we hear different things. There's different types of uh, form factors. I mean, um, Juul looks like a USB port. You know, there's Blue. There's a number of different companies out there that make vaping tools. And unfortunately, they all look, feel, and, 
you know, look like they could fit in a kid's backpack. You know, these kids' backpacks have got specific spots for USB ports. Well, you can slide a jewel right into that pot. You know, it could be, it's, it's just one of those things that uh, the technology has evolved over time. Right. So. I mean, it was, we've had obviously generations of smoking and we saw really the the fall of the tobacco industry when advertising was pulled, you know, appealing to kids with smoking, that it was cool to smoke. And there was sort of all of those apparent dangers that we knew with tobacco. And I remember when, you know, everyone was, restaurants stopped allowing people to smoke. You couldn't smoke outside your office anymore. And the e-cigarette started to make its way out. And everyone was thinking, oh, this is a safer solution for me to smoke and it's less obtrusive in a public area. But to your point, we don't really know what the dangers are within vaping. And now we're starting to see all of these illnesses and deaths associated with it and legislations trying to keep up with it. But what are schools, what are you seeing in schools trying to sort of combat this? Because I, as a teenager once, and Mike, if you were a teenager once, one of the things about being a teenager is you like to do things you're not supposed to do, and you're very good at hiding things that you're not supposed to do. So how are kids even getting away with this in schools? Well, if you think back, smoking in general um, relies on ignition of um, tobacco um, that creates smoke, smoke and, you know, permeates your clothes, it's a lot easier to detect. Vaping, on the other hand, uses uh, water vapor and oils, scented oils or nicotine oils, or unfortunately, marijuana uh, lace, THC. Uh, people are starting to uh, manufacture their own oils as well. And so when you start doing that, first of all, smoke is um, used in smoke detectors to detect. In vaping, because it is basically an aerosol and it's water uh, for the most part, Smoke detectors don't pick that up. As we go through today's podcast, we'll talk about the fact that uh, we partnered with Sodor um, as one of the industry leaders in vaping detection. And if you understand how the vape detection works, it actually works to detect the chemicals that are in the oh, oils. Interesting. Not the vape. Uh, it does detect humidity and aerosol, but it detects the chemicals that are in the oils that are expressed. And so, you know, from that perspective, when you start thinking about it, uh, you talked about in the old days, um, airplanes, you can't smoke on an airline, right. right? Well, they moved people to the back of the airplane to con- contain the smoke in the back of the airplane for a while, and then they just banned it all together. Now they, you know, it's an FAA rule and regulation. Well, guess what? You can't detect vaping there. Hotels, huh. multi-dwelling units, apartment condos, things like that, that are non-smoking environments. You can't detect vaping with normal smoke detectors, so therefore people are getting around smoking in in non-smoking type environments by using vape. Interesting. Yeah, there's no no new technology to pick up the behavior that we're now trying to stop. Um, Why are are kids, I was reading a couple of stats last night that were saying that, you know, smoking obviously was hugely prevalent among teenagers for all of eternity because it was quote unquote cool or it was the bad you know, bad guy thing to do. But people, kids are actually vaping at a higher rate than they were smoking at any point. I think one stat was like 9% of 12th graders were using cigarettes by the time they graduated, but 13% are vaping. So what's more appealing about the vaping versus the traditional cigarette? I would argue that the biggest draw to it is the flavored oils. 
uh, when you had a cigarette, it was pretty much one flavor. In the world of vaping, again, it's water vapor, oil, you know, that is uh, turned into an aerosol, and it can effectively be any flavor you want it to be. The other thing, too, is smoking. If you've ever smoked before, know that when you light a cigarette, you're inhaling the smoke from a burning tobacco leaf. You're not doing that with uh, aerosol. They're right. using batteries. They're doing ignition, um, and they're turning that vapor um, and uh, excuse me, the water into vapor very, very quickly. So it's uh, much easier for somebody to start to vape than it is to enjoy their first cigarette. So schools are trying to combat this sort of every other way, maybe except for introducing a new technology, a new type of vape detector versus smoke detector. Did I read right that some schools have actually tried to take stalls off the bathroom doors? Well, it would be the reverse. You take the door off the, the stall. The door off the stall. <laughs> it is early in the morning, Mike. It's <laughs> okay. I That's dared okay. to kill a king's deer. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, yeah, I mean, um, I'm from the great state of Alabama, if you can't tell with my accent. <laughs> In Alabama, uh, one of the northwestern schools um, literally took all the doors off the stalls and all the bathrooms so that nobody could stand behind a door and vape. And so you, you've got that going on. Um, you know, I was at ITSE, <clears throat> which is the National you know Technology Coordinators yeah. uh, meeting uh, in Philadelphia, I don't know, three or four months ago. And the biggest topic of uh, concern was bullying and vaping. And so we actually had a no vape hashtag going on during that period of time. And we were um, evangelizing and every school system from, uh, from the East coast, West coast, whoever was there, when they saw the no vape, they wanted to know what in the world are you guys doing? There's only a couple of companies in the world right now that are making vaping sensors. And Sodor is, you know, one of our partners, one of our alliance partners where we've actually done some joint development um, to make sure that the compatibilities there, the p- power over Ethernet capabilities, the you know the the the, the opportunity to make the solution viable. You know, one of the things that uh, allows the, the the vaping sensor to work and be effective is that you can put it anywhere you can't put a camera. You can't put a camera ah. in a locker room. You can't put a uh, camera in a bathroom. I can put a camera outside the door yeah. of the bathroom. I can put a camera outside the door of the locker room. So now the key is, and we talked about the Internet of Things a few seconds ago uh, or at the introduction, you know, this is now an Internet of Things solution, right? right? So now we can put vaping sensors in areas, stairwells, locker rooms, bathrooms, teacher lounges, because believe it or not, students aren't the only ones vaping that the school are trying to deter. Interesting. Um, oh, yeah. Um, and, and again, adults can vape just about one of anything, whether it be nicotine, marijuana, or um, flavored, you know. Right. So you don't know what's going on in the schools until you start trying to detect it. So, you know, I think that's one of the biggest thing is um, being able to understand that this vaping sensor allows you to, you don't have to necessarily act on it, but knowing that it's occurring and where it's occurring and when it's occurring um, is the first step. And up until the time that, uh, you know, soda basically came on the market, there was no way to do it. You had to physically put a teacher in a locker room or t- teacher at the door of the bathroom or 
you know, basically use physical means to try to detect or babysitting. Find, yeah. <laughs> the well, old term we referred to as babysitting. <laughs> and if you're smart and you're a sales guy, that's a total cost of ownership. And oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You need to have a teacher follow everyone to the bathroom. The that makes capital. no sense. Yeah. So that's human capital. So they're really, their schools are using their security cameras in those public spaces to, to kind of catch the maybe overly apparent, but like we said, kids are secretive. They like to hide things. Teachers are yep. secretive. They like to hide things. So being able to put a sensor in a place where you can't have that camera is really adding that extra layer that keeps them from having a babysitter at every door. That's a good because it's right. the other thing. Like, I don't think you can actually have, and this is maybe a, a well-known thing. I don't think you can have teachers like go into the bathroom with with students, can you? It depends on the state and the state regulations, yeah. but uh, there are, in, in some states, there are some very restrictive uh, legislation that prevents adults and being in the same room, like locker right. rooms, uh, where kids are. Yeah. Exactly. So you had um, hinted that there's a component of bullying to mm-hmm. this too, not a component of bullying, but identifying bullying. So if the sensors are picking up um, more of that aerosol in the air, that water vapor, how does it also have the capability to detect bullying? Because that's probably dangerous to our health is vaping, but bullying we know is a huge issue in schools and has been for years. Yeah, that's a good question. So the FlySense sensor from Sodor um, actually has multiple sensors in it, okay? And one of the things about um, bullying, um, or at least audio sensors, is that when we were talking about adults being restricted from being in certain areas um, mm-hmm. with with the youth, you also have um, privacy rules and regulations. Um, so the sensors actually do not record voice what they do is they build over time through software analytics normalized volumes. So it can detect um, the difference between a uh, bell ringing. It can detect the difference of a door slamming or a door shutting from a elevated ambient noise where kids could be pushing, shoving, yelling, you know, at each other kind mm-hmm. of thing. So it's, a, uh, it's not quite an exact science. Um, but the anti-bullying allows for the detection of elevated ambient noise over a sustained period of time that is then learned over a longer period of time. So it'll set off. Now, you know, the anti-bullying and the anti-vaping sensors are all in one. They're a small sensor about the size of a, uh, a wall outlet, uh, about two inches uh, wide mm. and about, you know, four inches tall. So it's a very low profile um, device. But it, it being a multi-sensor uh, um, technology, it allows you to do both on one platform. So what kind of notification does a school get? You've got a kid in a bathroom vaping. You've mm-hmm. got a kid in a hallway that's getting beat up by yep. a few other kids. Who's getting the notification? What's that system look like so they can actually take action on it? Yeah, it's actually a very nice, uh, it's a cloud-based uh, management system. And Sodor basically... When, when the sales reps here are looking at an opportunity, um, let me just go ahead and put this out there. We've actually put together two starter kits, one with four sensors and an Ethernet switch um, that includes three years of support and service, but it also includes the three years of network management solution that comes along with the FlySense sensors. So from a, you know, from a web browser, basically anybody can manage or to uh, report, um, and it generates emails or triggers, actually. It's more than just email, but uh, 
The sensor can trigger a IoT automation device, so we can actually integrate with an access camera system or something and actually do some tilt, pan, and zoom uh, commands. We can also send emails and stills to the SROs or uh, student resource officers Mm -hmm. or to the principals, administration, counselors, et cetera. But uh, there's a number of things you can do with it. But the FlySense sensor itself is managed via cloud, um, and there's basically two dashboards, one that manages the uh, each one of the sensors, uh, one for the uh, anti-vaping, and then one um, um, dashboard for the anti-bullying. Not to try to make this too difficult or too challenging, but there are different rule sets. In other words, it's vaping is pretty much an off-or-on kind of scenario where anti-bullying is a... Um, learned right it's got to yeah it's got to understand the existing environment like be there for a while before it you'll have false positives out of the gate um and so that there's some tuning and some you know management around it so um, the network management team can certainly set it up monitor it on a regular basis and then the emails and alerts can be um, sent and generated and you know dealt with independently so have you seen uh, with schools that have sort of started to uh put this in as practice, have you seen it sort of roll into their general policies? Like I know there's a lot of policies around vaping, like the first time you get caught, um, you know, you get an in-school detention. The second time you're now seeing a counselor and then the third time you're facing a an expulsion. Um, are you seeing this kind of help schools guide their policies or reinforce their policies? Well, much like you guys, I'm a national um, kind of guy. I uh, cover from East Coast to West Coast, <laughs> and I will tell you that the policies vary. Yeah, I mean widely. <laughs> um, there are zero. To- uh, I've seen zero tolerance policies uh, in place. Um, I've also seen um, some very uh, forgiving policies as well. And so, you know, from my perspective, I'm not sure that it is. You know, from an IT perspective. You know, it, it, you do see those things and you do understand the implication of those things. This is a set of tools that allow the school system to make their own decisions um, to whatever level they want to. Um, it is a non-intrusive technology. It's there. It, you know, alerts, detects, and, you know, provides information. And from that perspective, I think it's up to really the school system to make the decisions. It is far less um, costly to deploy 25, 50, 100 sensors than it is to try to take that human capital that we talked about earlier, counselors and teachers, and try to position them out there. Um, you know, one of the things that I, you know, I uh, laugh about um, in this industry is people deterred the use of cameras at schools because it created a liability. Once you put one camera in, you better have a camera that covers every right. square inch. Yep. Otherwise, you have a liability. Yep. And that's unfortunate that that's the society we live in today. But um, vaping and, and anti-bullying are just supplemental. You know, I can start off small. I can start off in the bathrooms or the locker rooms. I can start off in the hallways or the stairwells. Um, and then as the need progresses, um, you can continue to deploy more. Vaping's not going to go away. There's a lot of legislation to stop certain things, whether it just be the flavored oils or, you know, the, ironically, um, Jewel just hired one of the former CEOs of um, a tobacco industry. Interesting. Um, <laughs> who was very successful at deterring a lot of the civil lawsuits yeah. against the tobacco industry. And I'm, I'm not saying it in a bad way or a good way. I'm just saying that it's very interesting. Vaping is not going to go away. 
It's going to be around. Um, they're going to figure out what's causing the problems, but yet it's like smoking in schools. It, 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 you know, it's not that they were doing it because it was bad for you. It was because you're not supposed to do it. And so the school systems can either choose to have a smoke pit between the lunchroom and the library and allow people to do it there, or they can allow, you know, or they can prevent it from being done where other people could be affected by it, i.e. bathrooms, locker rooms, mm-hmm. and hallways, things like that. So one thing I thought of, because you had mentioned that schools are looking to monitor what teachers are doing. Of course, like <laughs> teachers or schools don't maybe care if a teacher is going out and vaping normal vape juice, you know, like they would a smoke break maybe, but it's potentially they're smoking THC and other things and then going in and teaching into a classroom. And so I'm trying to think of, you know, when a school's looking at how to um, approach this from a budgetary standpoint, where do you see it sort of originating? Are you seeing it like in a, maybe a personnel, like a need to manage personnel? Are you seeing it as a security um, sort of budget item or an overall general IT budget item? <laughs> Just curious, because schools sometimes you never know like where the request is going to originate from. If it comes from a principal saying my teachers might have an issue and my students obviously have this issue as well, or it could be IT going, we don't have visibility in bathrooms and hallways. This is one of those uh, applications that roll downhill. All right. So number one, um, as soon as you have a illness or a death, um, or, you know, these things can explode because they use lithium ion batteries. I mean, they, mm-hmm. when they get hot, they explode. Yep. Um, so when you have an incident in a school, that's a compelling event uh, from a sales lingo term that really drives the principal and administration then to come down with a big whack-a-mole hammer and say, IT, why haven't you fixed this problem? So I would argue that if I were a salesperson and I were trying to look for opportunities, I'd turn on the local news. <laughs> I mean, literally. Um, if I'm in here in New Hampshire and I cover California, I'd have the local news stations on my news feed, on my browser, on my desktop. Um, and I would be looking for these scenarios because nine times out of 10, this is not going, I mean, it's like security was 10 years ago. Right. It's not going to be budgeted. Yeah. And the C, you know, the CIO or the uh, security officer could be an HR guy or a finance guy, not an IT guy. Right. In this case, it's not a IT problem, but it is solved with an IT solution. And so from that perspective, I think what you'll find is anybody that is a counselor, principal, or senior administrator, whether it be a board of directors, uh, board of education, I guess, these are the people that are going to be interested in Um, because they are talking to other CIOs and other administrators through these national conferences and regional conferences. I think it's a great uh, uh, webcast topic to to invite people to. Um, But if you lead into it with um, the IT directors, uh, I think you'll find that it's going to be a non-budgeted item until there is a compelling event that forces them to spend the money. And I, I'll just be honest with you, the, the Sodor solution and our solution working together, you know, we're a very value-sensitive um, type uh, product solution. So is Sodor. So when you look at the total cost of ownership, it's, it's, it, it's far less expensive than trying to do it 
any other way. So if a customer has had an incident mm-hmm. um, or maybe they haven't had an incident, but a nearby school has, because we see that a lot in K-12, if it happened next door, chances are it's going to happen to me as well. Um, so if there is sort of that compelling incident, how do they engage uh, your team to sort of see what that total cost of ownership is compared to having someone stand at a bathroom or having some sensors to help them out? Great question. And it's easy. Um, call Cenex. Sodor is one of our uh, partners. They're an alliance partner of ours. And so what we've done is we've worked with Sodor um, and Cenex to put together a bundle. And we've got a four sensor and a 10 sensor bundle. Um, and it just depends on, you know, for an elementary school or a middle school, you know, or a high school, depending on how large it is, whether it be a charter school or private school or whatever, you know, the, the needs are going to be different. Uh, but we've got it um, bundled, it's discounted, um, and it gets the customer the opportunity to see um, the technology without uh, a huge investment. The investment's under $10,000 or even the large uh, bundle. Um, so, you know, it can range depending on the number of sensors and switches. But it could range from, you know, five grand up to, you know, 12 or 15 to get, you know, a, a full school deployed. So it's really not that bad. And what's the, usually the time for installation, like from receipt to we're ready to go, the cloud management systems up and running? Well, that, that's easy too. Um, an ethernet switch, um, everybody knows is relatively simple. It's commoditized nowadays. It's not overly complicated. The sensor itself really has no configuration that's required to actually do the install. Um, it really comes down to being able to pull the Ethernet cable into the bathroom, which is somewhere that, you know, or the locker room that generally you don't have Ethernet connectivity yep. <laughs> to. So I would say the wiring is probably the, the most difficult um, challenge for the IT guys. After that, um, the bundle actually includes a um, um, setup and consultation um, uh, time with Sodor to actually deploy the sensor, show them how to use the sensor, how to train. Um, to work on the bu- anti-bullying in terms of uh, identifying mm-hmm. false positives. Um, so Sodor actually does a very good job of hands-on um, support and installation. Excellent. So it does not take any certifications. It does not take any um, special skills. Um, it's a very simple, very direct, you know, it's a sensor plugged into an Ethernet jack, connected to the RECA switch, connected to the Sodor cloud. Very, very simple. So if you have found yourself in the headlines recently due to vaping, or you're just trying to keep yourself out of those headlines, give Connection a call. And with our partner, Ruckus, we can help you develop a solution to solve your vaping and bullying problems, which vaping and bullying may not be IT issues, but they can be solved with IT solutions. Mike, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast today. I hope we have you back soon and have a great day. Thank you.